The following podcast is brought to you by Lady Norland's Cajun Cafe, RVA's favorite Cajun hideaway, in the fan at the corner of Maine and Stafford. Find out more at ladynorlands.com. Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back at all of the action from VCU men's basketball. After each game, our host George Templeton talks live on Facebook with Ram fans and gives his take on the team's performance. And now, here's George. One of the things about conference play, especially these long conference seasons that you have now with these big conferences, because it was less true in the days when you only had, you know, 12, 14, or even 16-game conference seasons, you could you could sometimes be very consistent and never have a dip or only have really one game where you're totally off. But when you're playing 18 or 20 games in a conference like, like you have to do in the Atlantic 10, you're playing 18, or unless you've got a game suspended, you're playing 18. You're going to have games where you have a dip, where your just energy's not there, whether you where you're just making a bunch of mistakes, or whether the ball just goes refuses to go in the basket, whatever it is, and you never see it coming half the time. And when you get in the soup, you got to be able to get yourself out of it. Now I'm starting Rams Rewind, and hello everyone. Uh, this is Rams Rewind, sponsored by our good friends at Lady Nolans. Uh, go down to Lady Nolans and patronize them, get some good Cajun food, especially to celebrate wins like this. And I and I'm starting it out with that preamble because I am going to get to VCU, I promise, but I'm going to talk about everything else that's happened around them today in the Atlantic 10 for a moment because, you know, we've been waiting, and I mean we, I mean VCU fans, we've been waiting to see if there was going to be the old sting in the tail, as they like to say over in the, in the United Kingdom, and somebody was going to pull off a surprise and help us, and hopefully it wasn't going to happen to us. It was going to happen to somebody else, and it happened today, and you just don't see it coming. Dayton who's been an amazing team also who's been an amazing team after a really rough start there's no way in the world that at 1752 to go in Philadelphia at LaSalle they're up 3621 they did not see LaSalle coming they thought they must have thought in their minds we got this no problem it's just another notch on the belt uh you know LaSalle's nothing to worry about. And why wouldn't you think that? Nobody watching that game would have given LaSalle a hope and hell of winning at that point. You know, 17:52 left in the game. And it doesn't take much. And you get a few misses and a few turnovers. And before you know it, Dayton's seven minutes without a point. And LaSalle's in the lead. And they're in the soup and they don't get out of it and they lose. And what a huge result that was for VCU. And then you look at St. Bonaventure, and you know they couldn't have seen being eight points down in the second half to St. Joseph's coming. And they were in the they were neck deep in it and found a way to get out of it and win the game 54-52 and keep themselves alive for a top two or three finish. And believe me, VCU certainly could have done with St. Bonaventure losing that game. But I bring that up because, you know, we've been tough on VCU at times, even when they've won. You know, they've had games where they had prolonged stretches where they didn't play well or they've gotten by with it because of a vastly inferior opponent. You know, you think about the Mason game uh, the, the, uh, the previous Wednesday where really 
outside of the eight and a half or nine minutes where they outscored Mason 22 to two, they were abysmal and they probably should have lost. But that eight and a half, nine minutes was good enough that they were able to pull the game out and win. And of course, they made some free throws at the end and did that as well. And that's, you know, it is so hard to put up a great record in the league, to put up a, a, you know, in an 18 game season to win 15, 16, 17 games. It's so difficult. And so when teams pull something like that off, it's memorable. You know, when, when, when the, when the St. Joe's in 2004 went undefeated in the league before they got upset in the, uh, in the, in the A-10 quarters, I mean, that was remarkable with Jameer Nelson. You know, what Dayton did a few years back in 2020 with, with Obi Toppin, where I think they went, I think they went undefeated that year. Uh, in the in the league now that I think about it. I'm I'm checking now to make sure that I'm correct about that. But yeah, they went eighteen and zero and twenty nine and two and they would have been in the national title picture. You know, that's remarkable. VCU the year before that in twenty nineteen going sixteen and two and not losing a single A ten game by double digits. You know, that's that's really it's it's so difficult because it it can happen to you anywhere in this league, even in the bottom feeding teams. You can get caught. Nobody would have seen that coming with with uh, with uh, Dayton today. Did anybody see Rhode Island coming against uh, against Doggone Davidson the other week? No. And that's what happens. So you know we've seen VCU. Struggle at Fordham and struggle at May, struggle at home against Mason. Some of these other games, but the key is, can you get yourself out of it and win? And that's what they've done in this month. And they finished this month off because let's remember, we were sitting here when all the things that they've gotten away with piled in on them against Dayton at the start of this month, and they got absolutely destroyed. But you know what they've done? They hit. They have. They have. They've not been perfect. There have been some, you know, ugly games at times. The Duquesne game, which Vince Williams didn't play, wasn't great. The second half at Fordham was pretty bad. Most of the George Mason game was not good, but they kept finding a way to win. And now we're sitting here, seven wins in a row after an easy win over Massachusetts, 77-62 up there. Just, I mean, really, just not a problem at all. And they did what... They we, they did what we challenged and what everybody challenged them to do. We said if you if you know, if you've lost this Dayton game, it's a disaster. It was a horrible loss, et cetera, so on and so forth. If you're really all about it, if you really are a team with championship aspirations, you're gonna you're gonna sweep the rest of this month. Well, that's what they did. And again, yes, they didn't play the toughest schedule. You know, Rhode Island's not very good this year. Duquesne's terrible this year. Fordham and George Mason got new coaches. UMass is struggling. You know, Richmond was the only team that's that's probably going to finish in the top half of the table, maybe Mason, but Richmond's the only team that was, you know, would be considered a real legitimate team that they beat. But again, look at what happened to Dayton today. Look at what's look, look at what happened to Ro, uh, Davidson the other week. You know, St. Bonaventure's had some goofy results in this in the in this uh you know they lost. I think they lost at Mason. If I'm I'm looking it up now, but th- they've had some goofy results in conference conference player, which you what you'd what you'd say is goofy. Like you know they they you know, they got 
they got crushed at Dayton. Like the way Dayton walloped us, they walloped um, what you call it. Um, but you know they yeah, they they've lost some they've lost some cup games. They lost you know they lost at Mason. That was their that was their kind of screwball result when they were really not playing well in Jan- in in the uh, in the latter part of January and early part of February. And so yes, it's only whoever VCU played. But the point is, they haven't fallen in that trap. They haven't had that crazy loss. Uh, I was seeing it in the in the fan group. Somebody was saying, you know, VCU always has one really off the wall loss that really hurts them in conference play. Well, they haven't really had it this year. Yeah, the Dayton game hurt, but Dayton's a top fifty team in the net at least as of today. That may change afterwards, you know. And St. Bonaventure is a top one hundred team in the net. Uh, you know, so, I mean, and then of course, Davidson, you know, that again, they're a top 50 team in the net and they went and won at Davidson and made it up for losing that game. But VCU's found a way through. They have found a way through in these games. And in this game today with UMass, it's just so funny. They, they had a pretty good working margin, but it wasn't like they were playing fantastically well. They were playing really well. And then the thing that that we've talked about before but it just shows you how 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 long away they've come we've talked about the last segment of the first half and how at least this year as opposed to last year they've had some issues at the end of halves they've had some times especially in the in the non-conference season where they've where they've you know has seen leads whittled away or put themselves behind an eight ball at, with with their, their play in the last segment of the first half, well, take you know take a look at this. They've got they've got a nice little lead, but the last three twenty seven of the first half and the first three twenty seven of the second half is a twenty to four run combined. And I mean, and and if this this should be the defensive play of the year, the only reason it's not. Is that I don't th- I I still don't think you can top what Ward and Williams did at the end of the game in Dayton because that was such a huge win and that was at the end of the game and they needed it to win. But Brown Jones, that Buttrick thinks he's got a dunk, and Brown Jones says I don't think so, and it ends up a basket on the other end. And and to me, I almost I almost said eh, I don't really need to watch anymore after that. That was pretty much game over right there. UMass to me was was you they they you could have just you could have just blown the whistle right there and said that's it. You could have said, ah, we don't really need to play the rest of this game. I mean, that was absolutely fantastic. Brown Jones, the strength of that young man. And I mean this this front line we've got, uh, with Brown Jones and Deloach, I mean, these are these are some these are some real Real super dudes, real man strength. It's like, golly, Moses. There ain't a lot of people that can make that play. And it's funny because after the last two games, you're going to look at Brown Jones' line and go, oh, he only had seven points and and two rebounds, and he actually had five turnovers, which is not great. Uh, you know, but, I mean, that that was a great play. That was to me that that was the play of that run at the end of the first half, at the end of the first half and start of the second. And think of this. Think of this too. VCU is up 18 at halftime. 18 point lead at halftime. And 
Ace Baldwin hadn't scored. <laughs> I don't think. I'm checking it. I'm going back to the first half box now. Yeah, Ace Baldwin has one shot, and he's 0 for 1. Hassan Ward's ankle still bothering him, and he has foul trouble. He has no points. Jade Nunn has two points, and they're up by 18 at the half. You know, certainly great defense is part of that. But you talk about a team effort, my goodness. 15 of 26 from the field, and you get 12 assists in the first half. And you make 9 out of 11 from the foul line. Uh, you know, what, what, can, what, can you, what else could you say about it? Again, when you have a half where Baldwin, two of your starters have got, actually, two of your starters have got zip and the others got two out of your five starters. And you're still and you're still winning easily, and of course, classic Ace just just the same way Vince Williams does it when he's not scoring. He says no points in one shot. He's got four rebounds and seven assists with one turnover and a steal. And that and it's just watching him conduct the offense is so is so joyful. And and really one of the other great plays of the half was where he got a helper assist. Because it's a doggone, um, doggone Deloach gets the assist. And I can't remember if it was, I think it was a Curry dunk. And Ace draws the defense, plays a great two-man game with Deloach. And I'm thinking Deloach is going to go up and hammer this or lay it up. And instead, he almost perfectly touch passes it and gets, and it's an easy layup and assist. And you think about the last game where they managed to win in spite of the fact they only had eight assists the whole game, and I had 13 turnovers. And you come out and have a first half like that, you know, that's, that's where you give the coaches some credit because he really got this team centered back on what they do well, what they need to do well. Because that Mason game, they got away with it, but it's like that's not how you want to play. And, and, and that first half, good gracious. 15 to 26, that's 57%. And uh, that kind of foul shooting, 12 assists against six turnovers. And 41 at halftime. There ain't many teams that are going to stay with VCU and that with the way that defense plays if it's if it's if they got 41 in the first half. There's a few, but there ain't many. And so, you know, with that into that, with that run that I talked about, the 20 to 4 over over the identical amount of time to end and start the second half. I mean, it's just a cruise from there, you know, and, and shot selection. Uh, Dave Paulson, who was great on the call, you know, talked about how good VCU shot selection is. You look at that second half, they shoot almost 50%, even though they're kind of mucking around at the end. Three for four from three in the second half. So, and and that's the other thing that was great about this game. You know, I'm listening to the radio and they're talking about, oh, man, Massachusetts, they shoot these all these threes and make all these threes, and that's going to be the key to the game. And what happens? BCU comes out and goes bam, bam from three. Curry makes his only three-pointer that he takes to the game, and Vince Williams makes a three, which is his only three-pointer he makes. But he smartly only takes three shots from out there, so that's fantastic. And and it just it's just it's it just so it's it so set the tone. It's like. You're talking about UMass and their three-point shooting, and VCU gets two right away, and UMass only gets three for the whole game, and they basically gave up on it. They're they're one of the best three 
point shooting teams in terms of makes in the conference. And they only took eight of them in the second half because they knew they weren't going to go in. And, and that's just, that's, and that, and of course they also knew, not only did they knew they weren't going to go in, uh, they knew that if they took them in the second half, they, they were taking a bad shot. I mean, they were so, VCU was contesting so well on the perimeter. There was a couple times they fouled and gave up three free throws and you don't want to do that, obviously. And that's a nit, that's a very small nit that I'm sure in the review, Mike Rhodes will pick, but I just, I love the way, cause it's funny this isn't a bounce-back game in the classic sense because, of course, they didn't lose Wednesday. But the way they played Wednesday against Mason, it kind of felt like a loss, even though they managed to win the game. And, my God, did they bounce back, you know, in, in this game and just play just play superbly. You know, again, over 50%. And if I'm not mistaken, this is three road games in a row where VCU's not trailed for one second. But I, I, I'm pretty sure because I don't think they ever trailed at Fordham. Uh, and I don't think they ever tra- – and they definitely never trailed at Mason. Uh, and that just, you know, that just speaks to coming on the road, right mentality, right mental approach. You know, v- v- we, I mean, we've seen even at times VCU kind of, you know, get caught and kind of not respect the team or, or fall asleep a little bit or whatever. N- not happening now. And and that's a tribute to these coaches, and it's a tribute to these players too, to have that kind of approach to be, to be just like to have the eye of the tiger and be so damn good on the road. You know they're nine and one in true road games this year, I think, which is you know, we we, we a lot of the a lot of the conversation that's now taking up space in the VCU good and the bad, the ugly, which again you should be a part of uh, if you're listening to this. Is 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 the situation on the bubble, and you know, next are you know we've been kind of on the periphery of it, but we're starting to slowly move up, uh, mainly because it's what often happens. A lot of teams are are hurting themselves with losses and and fall down and fall behind us. But you think about you know the, their true road record, and and it's just it's absolutely remarkable. Their only losses at St. Bonaventure when they really they did get their clock clean pretty bad. But, you know, that's the sort of thing the committee's going to look at and see those true road wins. And they're going to and they're going to smile pretty, pretty on that. I mean, pretty, pretty loudly on it. So, you know, that's why I've, I've felt all along, even after the Dayton game, they still had a chance in at large. And that's one of the reasons why, because unless they're unless their uh, methodology is totally changed, winning on the road still matters. Even if you know, even if the net doesn't reflect it as much, depending on your point of view or that or whatever, winning on the road still matters, and they're doing it. And they just they seem to go away from home, and it helps them focus. And I want to say this too: it was so smart of VCU to fly out early to try to beat the snowstorm, but the fact that they got to have a full, real practice in that gym—they hadn't played in that gym for two years. So when you look at the roster. Outside of uh, Curry and, and Williams, I'm not sure any of these other players have ever played up at Amherst. So to have a nice full practice there and get yourself comfortable, uh, that was really a stroke uh, of genius uh, by, the, by the administration and the coaching staff to do that. And I know they can't do it all the time because these guys got to go to class and whatever, but certainly that is something in the future where you can think about, you know, it'd be not, if, if we could fly out a day early to somewhere – and have a full practice in the gym we're actually playing in, 
that ought to really help familiarity. And I think it does, and especially Massachusetts, because it's not your typical basketball gym because it's also a hockey arena, uh, which you don't, you know, you don't get a lot of that in college basketball. The, you know, gyms that are sharing, sharing the floor with a college hockey team, uh, you know, that can be because of the depth perception and stuff. It can be a difficult place to shoot the basketball. And you got to think having that, having that, extra practice in there and coach Rhodes talked about how good a practice it was in both the pregame and the postgame. And I think it absolutely was crucial and made a difference uh, for VCU and it certainly would have helped all the new players. And again, you know, Williams, Curry, and I guess Ward too. And outside of that, because I mean, it was two years ago, Baldwin, Baldwin wasn't on the team yet. So it would have been new. It would have been new to him. It's certainly new to all the freshmen. It's even new to Stockard. He wasn't on the team either. He was still at Kansas State. So it just it really was. This really was a, a great production, and the preparation was good, and the mental and the mental attitude and approach from VCU and application was was terrific. And that's how you get a seven game winning streak, which is tied with St. Bonaventure. That's how you get yourself off the mat after a pretty difficult loss at home like the one they had against Dayton. And 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 I and Dave Paulson said and I agree with him. A game like that and we also said this too. Uh said this too I think last week or two weeks ago. A game like that will really will really kind of tear the veil back and be the cold water of reality into your face cuz it's like okay, you know, we haven't been playing well and we've been getting by because this that or the other. And it all jumped up all at once and really bit us on the rear. And now we've got to buckle down and do it and do all these things that we haven't been doing right better. And they have. And they have. And now with Dayton having lost at LaSalle, now they're in second place. They've clinched the bye. They got, you know, this was the weekend of VCU getting help. St. Louis loses at Richmond which meant that if they won today, they clinched a bye, and now Dayton is lost, which means the path to a conference title is very clear. It really is as simple as this. If VCU wins their final two games and Dayton wins their final two games, VCU will tie Davidson for the championship because Dayton plays Davidson. And if this tiebreaker uh, procedure is still... The same as it's always been, which is if a team, if two teams tie each other head to head, they start going down the standings from the top to the bottom, and they try to and they break the tie that way, what they call count back. And it, and if that's the scenario, if Dayton wins their last two and VCU wins their last two, VCU will get the number one seed because they will have beaten Dayton once. They'll have gone one and one, and Davidson will have gone zero and one against Dayton, and that will be what propels VCU to a regular season conference championship and the number one seed in the A-10 tournament. And I see some people saying, oh, you know, maybe it's not, maybe they don't want, maybe you don't want them to get the one seed because it's kind of jinxed for us. And, and you know, the bracket, the way the bracket might set up, it might be easier to be two or three. I don't know. I think if they're the number one seed and you're thinking about Dayton, Davidson, St. Louis and St. Bonaventure, the teams you're worried about the most. Three of those four are probably going to be in the other side of the bracket. Or two of those four will be on the other side, and the other two are going to play each other in the quarterfinals. 
because it is also going to depend on Richmond and where they finish because they could get in there. And quite frankly, and I know what this is going to sound like, and I know I'm setting myself up to, to be embarrassed. I'm not worried about VCU beating Richmond a third time in the, in the tournament if it comes to that. I'm just not. Uh, I, I can't imagine VCU getting overconfident against Richmond and not having the eye of the tiger against Richmond. I can imagine it against some other teams because they've played them well, like Davidson. But it's like I, there are two teams I'm certain of that if VCU sees them in the tournament, they're gonna have they're gonna be focused and ready to rock and roll. And Richmond is one because it's the rivalry, and Dayton is two because Dayton beat the holy living you know what out of them, tamed them up at the Siegel Center, and they're not gonna forget that. That's gonna that that's the sort of defeat that sticks with you, and sticks with the people on the roster as long as they stay there. But they're in they're not looking behind them anymore in terms of they've got that double buy. They now know they only got to win three games to win the conference tournament and get in the NCAA tournament. They don't have to play till Friday, which means they're going to have a nice, you know, they're going to have a nice rest from having to play, you know, the next Saturday, which is the last game of the regular season to that Friday is what you want. Six days off the end of the season, you know, rest that body up, heal up from whatever little niggles you've got, you know, have some light practices and shoot arounds and get ready for that that quarterfinal, which should be fairly routine. I know it's not always the case. BCU lost as a one seed in the quarterfinals in in 2018, 19 that that we mentioned earlier, but it, it just it's setting up real well. However, we will say this too: we now we now have finished February, which was a pretty kind to us. We now have probably one of the toughest finishing straights you can have. St. Bonaventure at home, St. Louis on the road, St. Bonaventure Tuesday night, CBS Sports Network, 8.30. Please, VCU fans, fill that Siegel Center for this because just like last year, VCU went up to Olean, New York, and got their tail handed to them, and it was, it was absolutely incumbent just as it was last year to pay them back at the Siegel Center. And even though we made kind of a mess of it in the Siegel Center last year, we managed to get the job done. And we're going to need that crowd to get this team over the line against St. Bonaventure and, and, make, and make recompense for that, for that silliness up, up there that we went through. And, of course, those of you, who, by the time you heard this, you probably already know, but if you haven't, uh, one of St. Bonaventure's most important players, Oshun Oshuni, hurt himself towards the end of that game at St. Joe's that they ended that ended up pulling out uh, of the fire there. Uh, anybody that everybody that was watching that in the good and the bad, the ugly group said it looked really bad that he had to be carried off the floor by two teammates. And if he's not playing, that is a big miss. And to be fair, VCU's gotten had that kind of luck before, uh, uh, two or three years ago. They got they got to play Osuni. They got to play Saint Bonaventure without Osuni, and Marco Sano Silva went absolutely loco on them. And I'll be perfectly honest: uh, Ward Deloach and Brown Jones would all be thrilled not to have to play, uh, not to have to deal with Osuni on Tuesday night if that is indeed what happens. But it is a massive game because, again, even though. Even though tie, I mean the tiebreaker. Of course, if they lose to St. Bonaventure, they lose the tiebreaker, and all of a sudden fourth place becomes a definite possibility. Uh, so you got to win for that. But of course, you win this game, and you really tighten your grip on third place in the conference as well. 
and probably you can't go lower than three if you win this game. So that's that's crucial also. So it, it this is a massive game. Uh, St. Bonaventure, like VCU, has gotten their stuff together and they're hot. They've won seven in a row. So this is, you know, these are the two teams in the conference with the longest winning streaks and they're going to face each other on Tuesday. So what an absolutely monster game and I can't wait for it. And happily, maybe not for some of you, but for me, it's an 8.30 tip, which means as long as I don't have an absolutely awful day at work, uh, there will be live video with as I record this pod in the good and the bad and the ugly group. And I will hope I will hopefully be hanging out in the game thread and doing all the usual stuff I do there. I'm looking forward to that. Um, my gosh, we're here. You know, this is it, it's always a, it's always a slog to get to March. But when you get to March, the, it just feels different, even though it's kind of it, it kind of sucks that we're now in a situation where we have two more regular season games before a conference tournament, because, of course, in the old days in the CAA, this particular weekend would be the final weekend. And then we'd be getting the conference tournament starting that was it either Thursday or Friday, depending on where you were seated. And it was like, oh, man, this is it. We've been waiting for this all year and it's going to and, and it was going to get here. And now we we still have the two more regular season games to go. And then we have the conference tournament. But of course, two of the two of two games that are as big as it gets. St. Bonaventure is huge for seating and St. Louis is a quad one game on the road, which could be massive for VCU's at-large profile, which, again, has taken a few hits today. Uh, if you're in the good and the bad of the ugly group, you'll see, you you will have seen that. Wagner lost to Bryant, which means after leading the conference for the pretty much the entire season, uh, they will not win their regular season title in the Northeast, and they'll have to be the number two seed uh, in that game, in, in, the, in the tournament. So we'll see if they can... Uh, figure it out, figure out a way to get past Bryant and win that tournament. But it's still, you know, that their non-con, you know, their non-conference profiles take a hit, but their at-large profile is 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 getting the attention of the right folks and is moving up and these road wins are absolutely massive for it and again, I'm just I'm thrilled because I mean, we all know this season could have gone one of two ways after the Dayton game. They they could have completely gone they could have completely gone in the shell and and went south and we've seen that you know we saw that uh we saw that a couple of years back when they lost to Mason at home it just they they just cratered you know they cratered to the end of that season after that but you know and or it could have gone the other way that they could have they could have looked at that and said that's unacceptable and we're going to do better and we're going to fix it and they did they, they, that's exactly what they did, and seven consecutive wins. It's hard to do in this conference, you know. I, and even in a down year, it's hard to do in this conference because you're talking about, you know, you, you're ta- you're talking about you can get caught at any time. And even these teams that aren't that good, you know, these 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 terrible teams that at times we've struggled with, and people have got mad that we struggle with them, they can jump up and bite you. And even Davidson today, they were only up at the half against Fordham by five points. It was 28-23 at the half. And I went, oh, don't tell me don't tell me Fordham's actually going to make a game of this. And then Davidson dropped a safe on them in the second half and ended up crushing them. But you know, that's you can you just you you could make one or two wrong moves and all of a sudden somebody that's got no business being within 15 points of you has got you in a life and death struggle. 
that's that's conference play. That's why it's so hard. Uh, even even in a conference like this, and even in a conference that's allegedly having as terrible a year as this one. So, you know, so that's that's something that everybody needs to be mindful of. But again, terrific win, ter- ter- terrific game from so many different players. Uh, you know, Keyshawn Curry's unbelievable, unbelievable February. He crowns you know the best month of his career, as as people have rightly said. You know, with another with another sterling performance, eighteen points, which I think led all scores, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, very much thereby easily led all scores. And again, you know, he had he had what fifteen points a couple minutes into the second half, so he really could have had he probably should have had twenty, but whatever. Uh, you know, Adrian Baldwin just missed ten assists again, donk on it, but nine assists, two turnovers is <laughs> again from your point guard. It just doesn't get any better than that. That's that's what you're looking for. That that's what that's what that's the straw that stirs the drink when you get stuff like that. Oh, and I forgot for Keyshawn Stewart Curry, he also had four steals. Uh, I didn't even see that. He had four steals as well. You know, Sahonis coming off the bench, getting 12 points, kind of giving them a boost when they were flagging a little bit early in the game. They weren't playing all that well, and he started to make some stuff happen. And and that's you know that that was important you know Vince Williams stuff in the chat, stat sheet again two blocks four steals ten points typical typical Vince Williams game except he didn't have any assists so he was slackety slack he didn't have any assists how dare you how dare you Vince Williams VCU had twenty assists and you didn't have one <laughs> isn't that something he had twenty assists on twenty nine made field goals tonight oh I could watch that every time. I could watch that every time. Yeah, Jade Nunn. Jade Nunn, he only had five points. He had five assists and one turnover. And you think about, you know, Jade Nunn had struggles in the last game bringing the ball up the floor, and then he comes up with that tonight. That's just marvelous. Absolutely marvelous. And, and, And Brown Jones, too, with the block of the year almost, or one of the blocks of the year. And he makes all three of his shots and gets seven points. And and again, he's conti- he's just continuing to blossom, and he's got everybody's attention because he's really jumped up there as as another as another piece to this puzzle. And Levi Stockard again, the line doesn't look fabulous, but played some really good defense tonight and is emerging as the kind of guy that we can put in there. And maybe and maybe especially against Deron Holmes, if we get to a third Dayton game, or or against Brykovich. Uh, if we get to another Davidson game in the tournament, you know, Levi Stockard may become the, the key, the key chess piece to deal with them. So, you know, I, I was happy with the game he played today. And you just, you'd like to sit, see him re- rediscover some of the confidence on offense that he had in the middle of the year when he was actually kind of rolling, rolling on offense. But just, I mean, this was just such a tremendous game. And, and on a day when all, the big teams at the top and a weekend where all the big teams at the top, you know, had a certain kind of struggles or another VCU's it's a nine point game with, with under at the, uh, with, uh, right after the under, under four timeout in the first half. And then it, the closest, and then before you know it, it's a, it's a 25 point game and they're never in, they're never in any kind of danger of losing again on the road again. So that's fantastic. So Tuesday night, if you're in the good and the bad and the ugly group, 
I'm planning to be in the game thread. I'm planning doing a live video. Hopefully work will not make that impossible. You never know, but should be there because, again, the 830 tip is, is really helpful for somebody like me. Uh, in podcast land, look for it Wednesday morning. Thank you all, as, as always, for, for uh, listening. And Lady Nollins, remember them, patronize them, uh, give them your business. We really appreciate them as our sponsors. Thanks so very much for listening. Have a good night, everybody. To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. To participate in the post-game Facebook Live with George, join the Facebook group VCU Basketball Fans, The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. We'll be back after the next game, and thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind.